Hi, and welcome to Girl Highly Favored. I'm your host, Veronica Edwards. This show is about spirituality and overcoming life's traumas, pains, and heartaches. It's beauty through the ashes. It's testimonies, storytelling, and life experiences. So come on, listen in, and let's see where the Holy Spirit guides us. Hello everyone. I'm excited to introduce my first ever guest, Miss Chris Hopper. Hi Chris, how you doing tonight? I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. Good. So um, I'm just going to let everyone know how you and I know each other. And Chris and I met, I believe in 2010, 2011, and we worked at a day spa together. She was a massage therapist, I was a hairstylist, and um, we worked in a very toxic environment. It's kind of ironic how the clients would come in for relaxation and pampering, but the employees that worked there were verbally abused and treated beyond poorly. You remember that, Chris? Yes, I remember that very well. Very intoxic environment. I'm surprised she didn't have a higher turnover rate. I know, right? So that's how we uh, were first introduced to one another. And then uh, Chris and I had a lot in common, and... um, other than just working in the spa industry together. And uh, we ended up hanging out outside of work. Um, We both enjoyed smoking cigarettes. We both enjoyed smoking weed back then. And um, I think you might've had a few drinks every now and then, but I never remember seeing you get drunk. No, I I never really got drunk. I may have had a drink every now and then, but it was not really my forte. Right, yeah, it was never mine either. I never cared for drinking. I just didn't like the taste and smell of it. And so I I really just never thought about drinking. I, I was more of a smoker, not a drinker. But um, so she started dating a biker who belonged to a club, a local club here, and uh, soon got engaged to him. And I remember going to the clubhouse with you and hanging out and... Um, it, like I said, it wasn't long after you guys got together, you were getting married. Yeah, we got married fairly quickly. Um, we'd been together for maybe um, close to a little bit over a year. And um, he had wanted to propose, but he didn't want to propose until he got a um, ring. And once he got the ring, he proposed. And I said, yes. We got married fairly quickly because we, we, got, we were getting along fairly good. And everything was going great between us. We had a lot in common, and we never fought, and everything was going great. So I figured, what the heck, let's do it. I know um, I went to the wedding. I did your hair for your wedding, and was at your ceremony, at your reception. And I know you said there was a time before the ceremony when you were having, like, second thoughts. Yeah, and just before the uh ceremony was about to take place and I was in the other room waiting for the ceremony and my cue to come out. I was sitting there talking um, to God and I was feeling very uneasy and feeling like this was not what I was supposed to be doing and um, I honestly was being stubborn and did not listen to God and I did it anyways knowing that it was not what I was supposed to be doing. I was being stubborn and obstinate and rebellious. And um, I honestly should have listened to God and not done it. 
but in a way I'm kind of kind of glad I, I did it because it, it taught me a few lessons and gave me um, a few experiences that I needed to learn so that I would um, would grow and have that experience for later use in the future and so um, it seemed like you guys got married and the honeymoon ended pretty quickly like you guys went into just um, starting to argue and not getting along very good well it all started with me I started drinking again real heavy and having blackouts and doing things that I didn't remember and I eventually cheated on him and I I don't remember cheating I, I woke up um, in a situation that I don't remember and I was in a, in bed with another gentleman and I don't remember doing anything until I woke up the next morning and I was in bed with someone and then I came to the reality that I had done something that I should not have done and then I had to go home and face the facts and tell him what I had done and that that put an end to my marriage so once the marriage ended I pretty much continued to drink and use drugs and then I moved back with my mother and so when you um, moved back home I guess we're gonna go back a little bit I know that you uh, I know that you were still here in the area you and I got together a few times here and there uh, over the years um, it seemed like it, it tapered off to less and less and then you ended up moving to Texas for a while and uh, just to get away from everyone and get away from the pain here. So when you went to Texas, you you were able to get clean when you were there? Yes, I, um, I when I moved to Texas, I got away from people, places and things. And when I went to Texas, I didn't know anybody. So I, I continued to um, live a sober and clean life and I didn't use, um, I was there for about a year and then I went outside to smoke a cigarette and there was a guy that was like two, two houses down from me that was smoking and I was smoking marijuana and I smelt it. And I walked over to him and asked him if there was any, if he knew anybody that could get me some. And then from there I started smoking marijuana again. And then I continued to smoke marijuana until I moved back to uh, Virginia. Well, do you think marijuana is a gateway drug? I, be, I do believe marijuana is a gateway. And do you think that it's people that are less experienced with um, any drug use that start using that and think that maybe because they were okay with that or quickly recover from the way they feel using marijuana that they'll be okay if they use something stronger like coke or crack or heroin or... Um... I believe so. They, for me, it was the thought that if, if I can use marijuana, it, it maybe I could use a little bit something stronger to dull the pain, and the the voices that I had in my head would eventually go away. Then it would probably be better for me. When you say the voices in your head. What kind of voices were you hearing? I was hearing that I was never going to be good enough. That um, that I would never be equal, and that. And that, um, that's the word I'm looking for. 
I would never be live up to God's standards and that I was never good enough and that God wouldn't love me because of everything that I went through that I would never be good enough for him. So you, you know now though that that was just Satan. That was the devil's voices talking to you. Yes, I, I know that now that it was just the devil telling me that I would never be good enough. But at the time, I guess because of the things you have went through in your life, it was you just easier to believe those things. Yes, it was easier to believe those lies because of everything that I've been through in my past. So I know um, in talking to you and the things that we've been over uh, that you basically have a family history of uh, child sexual abuse that started, um, at least on your mother's side that you know of, that started with your mom's mom. Yes. It started with her when she was um, younger. Her um, her father um, sexually abused her and she had two kids by her father. One that they kept and was raised as her brother that was her child. And then a couple years later, she had another child with him, but they gave her up for adoption. And I'm sure that had a toll on my, my grandmother and that it um, really affected her to the point where she started drinking at a young age and became an alcoholic, which led to her not being the parent that she needed to be to my mother and my uncle and my aunt. And then you said that, uh, so she's self-medicating as well. She, yes. Hers was alcohol. Yes. And so um, she had a, a good friend of hers at the time that said she'd take care of her children for her? Yes. She had a best friend that was... Um, looking to adopt, or not really adopt, but looking to take care of the kids for her until she got back on her feet and could get herself together. Um, the woman had um, her husband, her, and four boys. And she said that she had a big farm and a big house and that she would be willing to take my mother, her sister, and my uncle to um, take care of them so that my grandmother could get her life together. So my grandmother signed over custody to this lady and my mother and my aunt and my uncle moved in with them. And once they got there and got acclimated to the house, then my mother was um, abused by the father and the four brothers. And... Um, which, so the so your mom, you said uh, that's when your mom also meets your dad when she's a child. Yes, she um, met my father. They were um, pretty much, I think he lived down the street from her when she was there at the foster place. And um, they, her, she had met my dad, his sister, and her brother, and they all grew up together, and she was kind of um, sweet on him. And they um, end up eventually getting married. I know my mother was 17 when she um, they got married. Uh, my dad, I think, was 18 or 19 when they got married. I know neither one of them finished high school or junior high. Now my father was in eighth, never finished um, eighth grade, and I'm not sure what grade my mother was when she dropped out. 
but um they they got eventually got married um in 69 and then they have you pretty much right after yes they had me like i said they had me when my mother was 17 and they were together for um till 75 and then I think the beginning of 75, they got separated because they couldn't see eye to eye anymore. But um, the whole time they were together, they had me and I had two other sisters. And um, in 75, my dad was on the way back from a, uh, my dad was a musician and he was on his way back from a gig and the guy that he was um, doing a gig with fell asleep at the wheel and um they wrecked and it killed the guy that was driving and it killed my father my father went through the windshield and ended up on the the riverbank um bleeding out so by the time the ambulance got there and got to him he was already dead he was dead on the scene wow. so and so your mom and him were already separated at that point? Yes, my mother and him were already separated at that point. I think they were had already been separated maybe six months, if not less. So how did you how did y'all find out that he had passed away? Well my mother was at her um at her boyfriend's house and they had just got back from church and her mother showed up over there and then my dad's mother showed up there and my mother was like, Why are they here? I don't understand why they're here. So they came in the house, and when everybody got in the house, my mother's boyfriend's parents told me to told me and my sisters to come and come in the other room, and then and then my um, grandmother, my mother's mother, told my mother that um, my dad had died in a car accident and all I could hear was my mother saying no it can't be true it can't be true no and then I heard her crying and then it um it got quiet for a minute and then I heard her crying some more and then I heard my mother go out the door with my grandmother and they um that's when we came out and my grandmother which is my dad's mother told us that my dad had died in an accident and that she, that we were going to be staying with her for a while. And you said that when you um, when they had the service, y'all weren't you weren't able to go to the service. No, my mother and my grandparents thought it would be too traumatic for us to go to see him in the casket, and they thought it would be in our best interest not for us to go. So I, I, me being that young, I just, I did not understand why we could not go to the funeral. But now being an adult, I understand why. Because it would have been traumatic for us to see him in the, in the casket being such a young age. Because I was five, my sister was three, and the youngest one was 18 months. But not understanding, you said, it was kind of like a double-edged sword in a way, too, because it added to your pain. You kind of wanted to... You kind of felt like you got cheated out of saying, seeing him that one final time or saying goodbye or... Yes, I felt like that I wanted to at least say, see him one last time and at least say goodbye to him and let him know that I loved him and that I would miss him. Me, um, he, was, he was a very good father. He, 
he played with us. He took us places. We used to go to the movies. We used to go to the park. He would set, um, when they were practicing before doing um, gigs, he would, um, everybody would come and meet at our house and they would practice outside around the bonfire. And I remember one incident where they had practiced and they played all kinds of songs and that was one of the happiest times of my life was just sitting around listening to him play. And um, one other incident where we um, jumped the fence and then we once we jumped the fence, we played football and that was the two of the most memorable memories that I have of him. And so you're, you stay with your grandmother for a while and then um, you end up going back to your mom's? Well, I end up going back to my mother's and then maybe, well, my dad died in 75 and then in 76, my mother got in an airplane accident. She had um, went out to a bar and was had been drinking and she ran into um, this guy and he, they were talking and drinking, and he said that he had a, an airplane, that he was a pilot, and wanted to know if she would want to go on a ride with him in, in his plane. And she said, sure, come on, let's go. So they got on the plane, and once they got up in the air, one of the engines failed. Oh, my gosh. So when they got up there and the engine failed, they crashed. Well, um, I believe the guy that was um, the pilot, um, I'm not sure if he died or if he got hurt, but I believe he got, I believe he died. But it broke my mom's back, one of her arms and both her legs. And she was in a coma for a week. And the doctor said that that we're just gonna have to wait and see if she's gonna make it or not. Depends on if she wakes up from the coma or not and everybody gathered around her and the family and everything. And um, I don't think we were allowed to go to the hospital either. Cause I don't remember ever going to the hospital to see her. I do remember that my grandpa, my grandmother, my dad's mom and my mother's mother came and got us again. And me and my youngest sister went with my dad's mother and my sister that's um, next to me went with my mother's mother and we stayed with them until they found out what was going on and then um, my grandmother had custody of us for a while because it took my mother a good two years to learn to walk again because the doctors told her that she would never walk again and that um, she'd be lucky if she would if if she would ever walk again. And she, I know, I remember her saying to the doctors, I will walk again. By the grace of God, I will walk again. And during this time, the one thing that my mother taught me is that through hard work and perseverance and walking in faith with God, that you can survive anything because God is always with you and God will always be with you. So, that's one thing she taught me that she was a strong woman that never gave up. She was she may not have always been emotionally available for us, but she was always a strong show us that you have to be strong, you can't give up, you just have to keep going. And so um, when you started abuse as a child in uh, your life, where did that start at? 
That started out with my my grandfather, my mother's father. We had went down to visit um, my uncle, and my uncle was living with my grandfather, and we went down for the weekend so that my mother could hang out with my uncle. And we came down on um, during the weekend, and it was in um, in the middle of the night that we came down because everybody was asleep. I'm not sure what time it was, but it was late. And we came in, and we all fell asleep. And then my mom got us up in the morning, got us breakfast, and then they went out that night. But that that night, I'm not sure what time they went and went out. But my grandfather said it was time to take baths. And the other girls took a bath together. And then when it was my turn to take a bath, my grandfather said that he was going to wash me, which I thought was kind of weird. But I, I let him do it anyways. And when he was giving me a bath, he was touching me inappropriately, which made me feel very uncomfortable. Um, that's when the molestation started. How old were you then? I had to have been like five or six, maybe five. Something I believe I was in kindergarten or pre-kindergarten. I think maybe kindergarten. So, um, no, my sister was a baby. The youngest sister was a baby, so I had to have been maybe pre-kindergarten. So a little younger. Than so a, yeah, a little younger, and. Um, then after I had a bath, he made sure that I was in the bed with him, and then the molestation continued. And then um, my mother came home, and when she came home, they all fell asleep in the living room. Well, on the way home the next day, which was a Sunday, we were going home, and my mother noticed that I was quiet and wanted to know what was going on. So on the way home, I told my mother what happened, and she took me to the police department. And the police department told me, told her that she would have to take me to the state in which that had happened. Well, the, the states, when we were talking about the different states, they're just like one right over the line from the other. Yes. Yes. Okay. So she took me back to the state in which it happened, and they told her that um, she would need to follow up with it once they um, processed everything, that she would need to follow up with it um, in a couple of days, that some, the detective would get back with her. Well, I never knew what became of it because she, I don't think she ever heard, I don't know if she heard anything back or nothing, but nothing ever became of it. Not that, I, that, not that I'm aware of it because I never, I never talked to anybody else about it and nothing was ever said about it. Did you ever see your grandfather again after that? Um, very rarely, if I was, I was never left with him, and neither were my sisters. So if we did go visit, we stayed at other people's houses. We did not stay at his house anymore. I know at some point, um, you said your mom had gotten a trailer, and you guys lived in a trailer together? Yes. Yes. We lived in um, a trailer outside of the town that where she grew up. She was able to get that with a, she got a settlement check. She got a settlement from when my do, when my dad passed. And then there was a check she got for the three of you. Yeah, she got a check for the three of us, um, a big settlement from where he passed, 
And then she went, ran through that money very quickly with buying things that she wanted and things that she thought that she wanted and things that she thought that she needed. Um, I know that I'm not sure if she bought us anything because I don't recall her ever getting us anything that we needed or I, I, I just don't recall her spending the money on us. I know she bought, she'd bought a van, a CB radio, once went on the van, she got um, some stickers or something put on it, painted or something on the van. Um, she did, she did rent a trailer and I, I'm, I was so young, I don't quite remember everything that she got and everything that she did, but I do know that she would have parties every weekend and that she had um, met this guy that was um, had a good career and everything, and she eventually moved in, moved him in, and eventually they got married. And when, um, before that, before he moves in, I knew you had said something about uh, when she was dating different men and stuff that she would, she'd eat at fast food restaurants and uh, or cook for them, but she didn't really buy for you guys or she would, um, she would make sure that her and her, um, people that she had over to the house, she would make sure that they ate and she did not necessarily, I don't want to say not necessarily care that we didn't eat, but she didn't, she didn't make it a point to make sure that we ate. And I do remember one time before that she had bought food and made us go outside while they ate. And I do remember going to the park and um, eating out of the trash can. I do remember that one time. And I do remember my great grandmother catching us and she took us and took us to her house and fed us and then called my grandmother and my grandmother came and picked us up and then she called my mother and my mother and talked to my mother and I do know we lived with my grandmother for a while. So it seemed like you guys, you and your siblings were always kind of back and forth from your mom's to your grandmother's. Yes. It was either back and forth to her mother or to my father's mother. And so when you, when you go back home again and your mom is remarried and now she has another child? She, yes, she has another daughter. So four girls. Yeah, she had four girls. And so it's a, the youngest one, she's a couple years old when you guys um, take a trip? Um, she, yeah, she was, um, yeah, she was, she was a couple years old. She, um, we took a trip to go see um, his side of the family, but it was just me and her traveling with um, his side of the family, we went with them on the plane and we um, arrived and we lived there. I lived there for a whole school year and she stayed for a few months until the family started arguing over who was gonna keep her and how long they were, she was supposed to stay with one family member and how long she was supposed to stay with this family member and it just got to be a big issue so my stepdad said, I want my baby back. And they they um, came and got her. And you stayed to finish out the school year? Yes, I stayed and finished out the school year. And so when you go home, 
No, yeah, I don't go home until after the school year. But and then something happens to you while you're staying with them. Yes. Um, when I went to stay with the family members, they had a they had an older son, an older daughter, and a son that was the same age as me at the time. And I think I was about between seven or eight. And um, <clears throat> the oldest son, they everybody in the house had gone somewhere. I'm not quite sure where they went, but um, they had left me home with the oldest son. And the oldest son said, um, let's go out to the barn. I want to show you the, the pigs. And I was like, okay, let's go. So we went out to the barn, and as soon as we got to the barn, he started taking off my clothes. I was fighting with him the whole time, but being as young as I was, and he was being as old as, old as he was, it was, it was, I couldn't fight him off. So he um, masturbated and touching me at the same time. Um, when he got done, he told me to put my clothes on and told me to go back in the house. Now, that continued to happen the whole time that I was there. But it, it progressively got worse to the point to where he was um, do, um, committing sodomy. He was fondling me, sodomy, um, sticking objects in, um, in me. Um, it was just, it was so painful. I was so scared. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know who to talk to. Um, I didn't know who to tell. I just wanted to stop. Uh, I, I just felt like that I had just got out of a bad situation and I thought it was going to be different here. It was going to be better. And it just seems like no matter where I went, I was still getting abused. So eventually, um, something happens and you do end up being able to tell on him? Well, what happened was that um, I was in the bathroom and I was using the bathroom and I was bleeding from down there. and. The, um, one, the sister had came into the bathroom because she heard me crying. And she came in there and she asked me what was wrong. And I explained to her that I was bleeding. And I got up from the toilet and she saw the blood in the toilet. And she called her mother into the bathroom. And then I even started crying even more. And then I had to explain to them what was going on. And once I explained to the mother what was going on, she was furious. Um, the young man that had done it to me was at work. He worked at night shift, evidently. And um, she, um, I'm not sure if she called him or what was going on, but I do know that when he got home the next morning that all his stuff was packed and on the front porch and that she had told him that he was no longer welcome there and that he needed to leave and that he was no longer allowed there. He could not come back. Um, I was never, I never saw him again. Um, she took me to the doctor 
um, got the care and the everything that I needed. She um, told me that she loved me. She told me that it was not my fault and that she was going to do everything she could to protect me. And she did. She kept at her word and she protected me. I'm never, I don't know what came about with him, but I do know I never saw him again. And she did, she kept to her word and she protected me. No matter, I was never put in a position ever again to be alone with anybody. Do you think your mom ever found out that that happened to you while you were there? I, I don't believe she told anybody. I don't believe that anybody was told that that, 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 that had happened to me. I don't believe that she told my, my stepdad. I don't believe that he, he knew about it. I don't believe anybody in the family knew about it. So when you returned home, you had to, um, you ended up repeating the third grade? Yes. And then I guess it was a couple years go by and your mom has to go in for a hysterectomy? Yes. Um, she went in for a hysterectomy and, um, I'll never forget the night that my, um, stepfather, um, molested me. It was, um, I'm not sure what year it was. I kind of blacked out on it and it was, it was all a blur, but I do know what was playing on TV that night. It was Gilligan's Island. It was the rescue one when they got rescued from the island. It was a big special on TV. And um, I really don't remember what was done to me. That all I could do was focus on the program. And I just focused on that. And then when it was over, I was told to go take a shower and go to bed. So that's what I did. And it progressively started getting worse. Um, we moved from the place that it happened and we moved into a house. Um, once we moved to the house, it started getting worse. Did you tell your mom that, that he was touching you? I, I did tell my mother that everything was, that was going on. And she told me that he, that she probably, that he probably thought it was me and that it, it, that it would probably never happen again. And it, I felt like she blew it under the rug, like I had just told her that I had stubbed my knee or stubbed my toe. And I was crying to her and she just acted like it was no big deal. And it just- Like he somehow had made a mistake in yeah. you and her while she was in the hospital. Yes. So when it continued to happen, I just, I never said anything to her again. I never mentioned it. I never, I never brought it up. I just, it, after it continued to happen, I just, I just figured what was the point of saying anything? She wasn't going to do anything about it anyways. And so when, when it continues, it goes, it goes further than just fondling you. It went into sodomy. And then I remember one time that we were watching something on TV and then we moved from the living room TV to everybody moving into the bedroom, watching it, the TV in, the, in his bedroom. 
and he asked me to come lay in the bed with him and my siblings were on the floor in front of the TV in the bedroom and he, he committed sodomy and had his hand over my mouth so that I wouldn't cry or scream out while he was doing what he was doing. And the whole time I was scared that my sisters were gonna find out and maybe get hurt too. So I tried to be as still as I could and be as quiet as I could so that they would not find out. And did he say anything to you while he's doing Just this? be still and don't and don't say nothing. So at some point, I know you said you didn't talk to your mom anymore about it, but at some point you're a little older now and it it went from just what sodomy into just regular intercourse as well. Yes, I know. I was I was about 12 or 13 and I had missed my period and he was worried to death that I might be pregnant. So he went and got me a pregnancy test and I took the pregnancy test and it came back negative. Thank God for that. Yes. And so you go to your grandmother's house again to visit and with your cousins? Yes, I went to go for the weekend with my, to go visit my grandmother for the weekend. And um, I was being a bit promiscuous. Promiscuous, yeah. And um, I had went to the movies with my cousin, her boyfriend, and um, we had broke down on the side of the road. And my cousin stayed with the car and I followed her boyfriend and I told him, hey, you know, you don't have to be with my cousin anymore. You can be with me. I'm, um, I'm experienced. I have a 26 year old boyfriend and um, why don't you just forget about her and come with me? And um, he said, no, I'm, I'm in love with Trace. And then you, he tells on you. Yes, he goes to my aunt, or not my aunt, he goes to my, my grandmother and tells my grandmother that um, he need, that I needed to talk to me, that she needed to talk to me because something's going on and he's concerned. And she has that talk with you? She has that talk with me and wants to know what's going on. I, br I immediately break down crying and tell her what's going on and she immediately um, calls my mother and tells my mother why how, why aren't you doing something about this she has gone to you and told you that this was going on and you did nothing about it if you don't do something about it I will I will call the cops have your kids taken from you and you will go to jail and so will he so Smother did not want to ruin his career because he had a good career. She didn't want to ruin his career. So she asked him to leave. He moved out. She, um, she, moved, she moved him out. She continued to see him. They got a divorce. She continued to see him. After they got the divorce, she was still seeing him on the side and my grandmother found out that she was and she reported my mother and my mother had to go in front of the judge and prove that they she had a divorce 
and that he was out of their life and they did an investigation and she had to prove that she was no that he was no longer now in his in her life and that she wasn't sneaking around and seeing him on the side and did you live at home or you were living with your grandmother i was living with my grandmother and i lived with my grandmother until i was probably 14 and a half and then um I was starting to get rebellious with my grandmother. Um, uh, my grandmother told me I could not go to a concert and I really wanted to go to this concert. So I snuck out of the house and I went to this concert. Um, that's when I started um, drinking and um, doing pills. Um, I got drunk and so messed up that the people that I, the kids that I, the teenagers that I went with took me home and dropped me off in the yard. Um, I don't remember them dropping me off. I don't remember going in my grandmother's house. I vaguely remember my grandmother putting me in the shower and sobering me up and putting me in bed. The only thing I remember is waking up the next morning with my grandmother standing over me. Um, she told me that she was being a parent and telling me that I was on restriction and that I needed to get my stuff together, that my behavior was unacceptable. Well, I was like, well, I don't care. I'm not, I'm, I don't have to follow your rules. I don't have to do what you tell me. You're not my mother. And she punished me anyways. Well, yet again, I was being rebellious. I waited for them to go to bed. It was like two or three days later, I waited for them to go to bed. And I snuck out again, and this time I ran away to my mom's. And once I ran away to my mom's, of course, when my grandmother realized that I was not in my room, she just went out looking for me. She immediately went to my mother's house. My mother said, no, um, the child's not here. And um, of course, my grandmother had seen me through the window. So, my mother lied to my grandmother. Well, the next day, my grandmother confronted her on the lie and told her that I seen the child there. I know what, I know she's there. You need to come clean. So my mother said, yes, the child's here. I'm taking her back. So I stayed with, continued to stay with my mother. And what was life like then? I could do what I wanted to do as long as I went to school and got good grades. I could come and go as I pleased and do what I wanted to. And what did do what you want to do? What did that mean exactly? I could smoke cigarettes. I really wasn't a big drinker, so I didn't really drink. But I could smoke marijuana. I could smoke cigarettes. I could hang out with my friends. I mean, grant you, I had to be in by a certain time. But I still had to get up and go to school. I still had to get good grades, do my homework. I mean, I had rules, but they were lenient. And so when you, um, you live with her until you end up meeting your, your first husband? Yes. Well, 
one thing was, is that how I end up, I ran away from my mom's too because I wanted to go to a party. My mom said, no, I couldn't go because it was going to be, the party was in a different city. And it was too far, my mother said, for me to go by myself because it was around a bunch of people she didn't know. And she felt like it would be unsafe for me because I was a girl. And she said I couldn't go. So I said, I'm going anyways. So I waited for her and for her to go to sleep and I snuck out anyways. And I went to this party. And when I went to the party, um, I was so messed up, I couldn't remember how to get back to my mom's house. But I knew how to get back to a, a friend of mine's house. So I went to my friend's house, and then when I woke up the next morning, I was so scared to go back to my mom's because I was scared of what she was gonna do. So I stayed gone for a week. It took my mother, it took my mother a good week to find me. And when she did find me, um, she was very angry. And when she was angry, she said, I'm, I'm taking you back to your stepdad's. He's the only one that can control you. And this is the stepdad that had been molesting you and having intercourse yes. with you. Yes. And she took you to his house. Yes. And so you stay with him. I stayed with him for maybe about a year and a half, maybe, maybe almost a year. And are you continuing? Yes. So that continues. Yes. It happened. I believe it happened twice. I believe it was twice. And then I end up meeting um, this guy. I was driving with no license, no permit, no nothing, because I was allowed to. Um, I had free reign to do whatever I wanted to do. Um, so the car had broke down on me when I was coming back from the grocery store and this guy stopped to help me and come to find out he lived like the apart, the apartment complex over from where I was staying the next in the same apartment complex, but the next building over. And, um, he stopped to help me get the car fixed and he fixed the car long enough good enough to get me back to where I would need it to go. And I met him and then we end up getting to know each other. And then I end up, we end up getting together and um, we end up getting married. I got married at 16. And were you, um, you had a baby by him? Yes. Were you pregnant before you got married? Or? No, I was not. And did he know about what was happening with your stepfather? Yes, I did. I told him. So he knew? Yeah. And did he use drugs or drink or any of those things? When I when I first met him, I the only thing that I knew that he did is that when he drank and smoked marijuana. Now, I did not find out that he used intravenous drugs until after we got married is when I found out. And that blew me away. I had no clue. That's how naive I was. I, I just, I had no clue. I never seen it before. I never heard of it before. The only, the only 
thing I knew was drinking and marijuana. I'd never heard of anything else. And are you pregnant when you find out? I was, I was, I think I was, I had just gotten pregnant when I found out. So, we end up moving with his family to, um, out of state. And we moved out of state, which was away from my family, which was the first time I had ever moved away from my family. I had had always been close to my family, and I never moved away from my family. So I was naive about that. I was like, I'm going to be great. I'll be on my own. I'll be able to make it. Me and him are going to get along great. Everything will be fine. I'm finally getting my freedom away from everything and everybody. Boy, was I wrong. (laughs) So, needless to say... We got our own place. Well, first we moved in with his parents. And um, his parents weren't too happy. The first thing they wanted to know, they wanted to see the marriage license to make sure that we were really married and that we weren't blowing smoke up their bottoms. So I had to produce the marriage license. Um, Once I produced the marriage license, then they were like, well, the only reason you married him was because you were pregnant. And I'm like, no, I just got pregnant. I just found out I'm pregnant. We'd been married eight, nine months before I found out I was pregnant. I had just got pregnant. So it was, their, their family was questioning my motives from the beginning. And um, I did love him very much. Um, part, of, uh, part of it was because I wanted to get out of the situation, but I did love him too. And um, we were very young when we got married and I'm, I was very naive and thinking that we could make it. We were both teenagers and thought that we could conquer the world together. And um, we both had our issues um, with drugs and alcohol. And um, I was naive, very, very, very naive. I thought I, I thought I could conquer and take on the world and I would be okay. And um, I was not, I was not prepared to be a wife, to be a mother. I was just, I was not equipped to do those things at all at such a young age. Um, I thought I knew everything when I didn't know anything. So you have a daughter? I have a daughter, beautiful, beautiful child. Very um, chilled, very well-mannered. I never, she never, she had colic real bad. It's the only time I ever had any issues from her. She was always a good baby. She very, the only time she really cried is when she had colic, she was hungry, or she had a poopy diaper. And that's the only time that I ever had any trouble with her. Um, Her dad loved her very much. He was constantly picking her up, loving her, playing with her. Um, He was always with her. If he wasn't at work, he was with her. Um, he he just doted on her all the time. It was um, they had a very good relationship when she was younger. Um, How was your relationship with him? We had it was very rocky. Um, he was very jealous, and a lot of times I used that to my advantage. Um, 
I made him angry just to make him angry. Um, I did things and said things to, to get him angry, to get him riled up. And a lot of the times that he would hit me, but a lot of the times I did that just to get him going. And I suffered the consequences because of my mouth. Um, not saying that it's my fault, but a lot of the times I, I instigated it. Do you know why you did that? To get the attention because I felt like a lot of the times that he wasn't paying attention to me. He was paying attention to more things to other people and I wasn't getting his attention like I thought I deserved. And then when I, when he wasn't paying me attention, I would get it from outside, from other, other sources and that would make him angry and then he would hit me. And so how long does that relationship last? I think that relationship lasted. I think my daughter was not quite a year old yet. So we've been together about almost two years. And um, like I said, my daughter was about nine, maybe 10 months old. And um, the last time that he hit me was that she was in my lap and he grabbed me with her in my lap and threw me across the room with her in my lap. And that was when I knew that it was over, that I did not want to raise my child in that kind of environment, that I deserved better and that so did she. I was more concerned with her getting hurt than me. And I knew that I didn't want my child to be in that environment. So I got me a part-time job, saved up my money, and I started sending a little bit of money here and there to my mom. So that way, when I saved up enough money, she could get me a plane ticket, and a, a plane ticket and a taxi to get me to the airport. So and you go back to your mom's? I go back to my mom's. So we're almost an hour in. I think you want to end it here, and I'd love to have you come back and finish sharing. That would be great. Story, yeah. And so um, I think, like, you know, I think it's important to... To let people know, you know, that when it comes to child abuse of any kind, like it's not easy. And I know that a lot of times we self-medicate medicate because um, we're trying to cover up pain. We're trying to put a Band-Aid on top of what what's hurting us inside. Or we just don't know how to deal with that pain. And it sounds like you had a lot of that. And I mean, I, I when I heard your story... Um, and, and knew the depth of what you really went through as a child, like my heart broke for you. And I think you're a warrior. I think that, you know, to just be sitting here and be sane and be able to tell your story is amazing in itself. And I think that you got good things ahead of you. I mean, you're strong. You've always had a big heart. I know that even sharing the story that you said, um, you were worried about hurting other people. Like you want to protect other people in your story so that so that you don't hurt them by telling your truth. And I think that's a lot to be said in that. And I'm glad that you're here today and I want you to come back and I want you to share um, more of your story and where you hit rock bottom and what and how you got up from that bottom and where you're at today and um, 
You want to do that soon? Sure. That would be great. Okay. All right, go. If you enjoyed today's show, please subscribe and hit that notification button so you won't miss future shows. Leave a comment or ask questions. I love your interaction. And if you would like or feel led to support the channel, there's a button for that too. Your support is appreciated. Until next time, sending you love and prayers.